Welcome to the Double Take Podcast, a show where we talk about TV and all other matter of pop culture things. I'm Jenny Cullen. I'm here with Jess Spall, and together we're going to talk about some stuff. Jess, would you consider yourself a psychological vigilante? I would not. I think I'm pretty pretty normal psychologically (laughs) when it comes to other people. I don't know. I honestly think that that is one of the cringier parts of that show. Not to sort of get (laughs) into shrinking already, but yeah, I don't really understand that phrase very much. Yeah, it's the it's a sort of a catchphrase that firmly puts Jason Siegel as like a very dad jokey character. But anyway, yeah. that was that's been on my mind since I watched it. Are are you? Do you do you have something? No, to tell I us? don't even know what that means. A psychological okay, exactly. Vigilante. <laughs> it's like it's a very weird phrase. Okay, it feels like am I? I'm trying to right psychological. I guess I guess it makes sense. Right psychological wrongs outside the the structures of a normal sort of like law enforcement. <laughs> but that's sure the vigilante bad. is the right word there, to yeah. be quite honest. The rest of the writing is pretty stellar. Well, before are, are we, we ready start to get talking about okay. shrinking, no, I want to hear about what else you've been watching. We can, we'll talk about our our combined uh, joint joint watching efforts in a second. But I do have a couple of things that I have checked out that I think you might like. One of them in particular is Extraordinary, which I wound up watching a lot more of than I had anticipated, than I had intended to. Are you familiar? Do you Have you seen this? The like, I think, it, I feel like it's come up on a lot of Hulu ads. Yeah, it came up, I think, on a Hulu ad and I was going to ignore it. But then a couple of people, not people I know in real life, but TikTok commenters have asked me if I've seen it yet and recommended it. So then I was like, hmm, I guess I should watch it, but I haven't seen it yet. It's very cute. Uh, and it's like easy, breezy show to get into. It's um, I don't know, like I... Maggie cute or like what style of cute? Uh, sort of Maggie adjacent. Maggie cute adjacent. It's not It's not cute in a like rom-commy kind of way, although it has something. Did you ever see Love Sick, that Netflix? Um, no. Actually, I don't know if it was originally Netflix, but hmm. Okay. I did well, not. <laughs> Okay, I'll, the the premise, unless you already know it, you can stop me. But is it's? I mean, it's a sitcom. These twenty something year olds, three friends living in an apartment together, um, and they're going through you know twenty something year old problems, finding jobs they like, like relationships, etc. But the um, catch is that in the world they live in, when you turn eighteen, you get some kind of power just like everyone, everyone all across the world. So it's like once once you become an adult, you have a mysterious, you won't know what it is. Like some people are super strong. Some people can summon sea creatures. Some people can just like hear really well. Uh, there's one character who has the power to give people orgasms when they touch him or power or curse. I don't know, whatever the, the thing may be. It's the, some of the power, some of the the powers that are written in just as like small jokes are pretty good. But our main character does not is 25, I want to say 25 or 26 and has not yet received a power. And so she kind of feels out of place. And so that's that's the like setup for the story. It's her dealing with life in this world where everyone else reached a certain age and, you know, got this cool thing happened to them. And then also all of the other things about being kind of an adult and not knowing what to do with your life. So it's 
definitely a little weird, but I really liked it a lot more than I, oh, you know what else it's like? It's like um, got a little bit of the quirkiness of crashing the Phoebe Waller-Bridge I also show. did not see that. Damn it. Okay. But well, you don't have to sell me on it. I'm already sold based on the premise. That sounds really fun. Okay. I will I will say, it. yeah, you have to be ready for it to be silly because it definitely is. You have to buy into a little bit of the hokiness. The, the effects obviously aren't like the best when there are people that are flying. It looks a little silly, but it's that's not the point, I okay, guess. That makes sense from like a mid-tier yeah. Hulu show. <laughs> I'm not surprised. My, no, I want to check it out. You'll like it. Well, you'll like this bit of information. I don't know if you'll like the show because of this, but it is the the main cast is um, all in the UK and the main character is Irish, which you know that I love accents. Okay, and then also, I mean, that's a fine point for you. For <laughs> that's what sure. I said. You'll like that I like it about it. Like you'll I like see, this I piece see. of I thought you were saying I would like that no, like, no, no. in a show, which is not exactly true. No, no. That's me. That's full me. Um, the mother of the main character is the nun. Oh, I can't remember her name. The sister from Dairy Girls, who is my absolute I haven't faith. seen that yet. All but fun for you. I feel happy for you. Three strikes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for you that this show exists. <laughs> Thanks. I watched all of it this weekend uh, while I was, you know, Sunday reset cleaning. And uh, impressive. I've seen zero. It was episodes. really rainy. <laughs> well, we've got a couple of things to talk about later. I could tell you about a show that I watched that I'm pretty sure you haven't seen yet. If yeah, you tell would me. Like, uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Lockwood and Co. And I had never heard of it until I was just like on Netflix looking for what was new. It came out last like Friday. It's a adaptation of a YA book series. A supernatural okay. book series. It, it sounds really, like the last name of Tyler. I mean, it is the last name of Tyler Lockwood from like Vampire Diaries. Like Vampire Diaries. <laughs> yeah. There's a show on Netflix called Lock and Key, and this is called Lockwood and Co. So that's interesting. Uh, they're both like YA supernatural shows too, I'm pretty sure, although I haven't seen Lock and Key. But the premise real quick of this is – they're set it's set in an alternate London where ghosts exist and teens have to kill the ghosts. It's teens because adults can't see the ghosts, but the ghosts are dangerous. And so there's like elite squads of teens that fight the ghosts. Mm. Elite. I, teen I feel squad. like I made it sound <laughs> a little dumb. I think I would have loved this series slash probably the book series too, when I was like 12. It's mm. very much giving YA, I would say. Um, not in a bad way, but like also not in a great way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's funny because the like alternate London where one supernatural thing is different is very similar to the show I just described, but the audience or the, the main characters seem to be just distanced by a couple of years. Like yours is an alternate London where one thing is supernatural and it's teens and yeah. mine was. Yeah, I believe like the tone is also probably very different. This is – it's like sort of going for humor in that, oh, like we're just like – we're teens and the teen funny wolf way? stuff sometimes happens. I never saw Teen Wolf. 
just but what are we doing here (laughs) it's a i know i'm sorry it's a it's a very serious tone otherwise though it's like a sci-fi drama i mean it's a supernatural drama but again it's it's very ya i'm on episode five somehow but i think i'm probably gonna call it quits my other question to you was would be is would you call it like a juvenile buffy in tone but you haven't seen jenny you know i I can't i know I feel like you're particularly naming shows that you know I've never seen. It's not you my fault. know this about me. It's not it my sounds fault like that I've this never genre. watched television. <laughs> I promise I've seen shows. Gotta prove yourself. This is embarrassing um, for me. I think it's fair. I think it's I think it's fair to call it quits on this show in particular, even though I have not seen it. I I believe in that choice for you. I feel like I should recommend it to like my little brother or something though. Like I like do genuinely think it's pretty good. It's just like I don't think I'm the audience for it. And that's okay. Real quick. I watched one other show and I yeah. just want to quickly mention it before we move all the way on. I watched The Watchful Eye. Have you heard mm-hmm. of it? Not until you told me about it like in passing. So no. <laughs> it's it's funny because I had never heard of it either, but I saw it on a Hulu ad which is what you said about Extraordinary. Actually, I'm surprised you Mm -hmm. haven't seen this on Hulu. It's like the featured thing right now, I think. But it's a freeform show. And so Hulu has some sort of deal with freeform, I think. Yeah, I noticed that. Like the next day they get the episodes. The Watchful Eye has Kelly Bishop in it. Oh. Gilmore Girls Grandma. And is it it good? Yeah, is it it good? Well, Kelly Bishop is great. Oh, my God. I have seen – I ads have for, yeah. seen the ads for this. I thought and so. And I didn't think it looked that good. Oh, Am no. Am I wrong? No, no, no. You're right. <laughs> oh, okay. You're right. Uh, Kelly Bishop is great. I just needed to start with that because she's excellent and she's too good for the show. It's about uh, a woman who seemingly is a nanny and starts working in this very nice rich people apartment building on like the Upper West or East Side and – there's like something weird about the building. There's like something suspicious about the people who live in the building. She is also not who she seems. Mysteries abound. It's like Archive 81 meets Only Murders in the Building, except not funny, meets <laughs> – did you read that Riley Sager book, Lock Every Door? Mm-mm. Anyway, it's giving all of those it, things. Is it like yet, the Paris apartment? <laughs> Oh, or the oh, – wow, forgot about that one too. Yes, very also also giving the Paris apartment. Lucy um, Foley and, book, yeah. And yet doing not a good job of uh, being me. its own show. It just feels like a really crappy, like a lesser version of all of those things mashed together. I hate that for Kelly Bishop. I also I know, me too. can't believe it took me between the ta- – like <laughs> you gave me all the clues and until you said – like Kelly Bishop three times. Could yeah, it was I a long ass pause. I thought you were trying to figure out who Kelly Bishop was. I was like, Hello? no, Jenny. I was trying to figure out why I would not know about this show. And then I was like, oh, because every time the commercial comes on, I leave the room. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very free form. I will at least give them that. Like they're sticking to whatever. No, mm. you know what? I don't even want to say like really bad things about free form because they put out a really good show last year that I was surprised was so good. Single Drunk Female. Did you watch that oh, one? Oh, yeah. I watched a couple episodes. That one was not giving freeform. Like, I felt like that went hmm. above and beyond what a freeform show normally is. And yet, The Watchful Eye is very firmly doing what a freeform show does. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this isn't giving freeform enough credit. I don't know. 
uh, Matt seemed to like the Watchfly more than I did. I think it's like it's an engaging mystery, perhaps. But I felt like the acting and the writing was so bad that I was just like, I cannot continue to watch this. Fair enough. I with that review, I the only time I would ever watch this is if I'm really like, I don't know, struggling for something and I want a mystery and can't really can't find anything else to watch. You know what? Probably I won't watch this. That's gonna be my I'm just not gonna putting my foot down. Sorry, can, Kelly. I might watch a yeah. few more episodes, so I'll let you know if it gets better. But we'll see. But anyway, yeah. moving along to other news. I saw today that Netflix actually announced like how they're cracking down on password sharing. Did you see that? I no. I'm gonna uh, tell tell me everything. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you everything. Well, it's interesting because they've been like threatening for a while now to crack yeah. down on password sharing. I think like didn't they like put up a notice at one point that so, you would yeah. see? I I remember no I haven't I haven't actually seen anything in my own Netflix account. I do remember various just like articles over the last few months saying like it's coming, like Netflix has announced they're they're going to crack down on this because and then there was something relatively recently like a couple weeks ago that was like they're still considering it. Like they haven't definitely put it into place and they haven't definitely decided that they're going to um you know, crack down for sure, but it's definitely in like the the draft drafting stage. And so I was a little like, I'm not going to worry about this until it actually is a thing. But I guess it's a thing. Yeah, is it they, a thing? So Netflix announced their they had their earnings report yesterday, and in that they announced that password sharing would be made unavailable likely before March. Is I don't think they gave like a specific date, but in the next couple of months. And they outlined exactly how they would do it. Basically, they're trying to limit sharing of a Netflix account to a single household. And to do that, every device that's using that, that's logged into that Netflix account, has to be connected to the home Wi-Fi once in a 31-day period. It does oh. not, however, say what happens if you don't do that. Like, I don't think they've actually outlined yet, like, will your account get, like, terminated or whatever. I don't think they've said that yet. But they have said exactly what password sharing means to them at this point. Interesting. And I feel annoying like it's annoying because- even for people who use – like, don't use it illegally. Like, imagine you have a tablet and a phone and a computer. Maybe you have a second computer. Maybe you have a smart TV. You, like, what if right. you don't want to sign into all those things every 31 yeah. days? Yeah. And what if – yeah, exactly. Or what if you're traveling for like three months, two months, whatever? Yeah, Can you change they, where your location is? I think they said there's some sort of workaround for that where you can get like a code that works for a certain amount of time. But again, I don't know if they outlined that in a lot of detail. But that does feel weird. Like, what if so extra? (laughs) Yeah. What if you're in an Airbnb for like a month somewhere? I don't know how that would work. The whole thing just seems sort of silly. But like, obviously, I get it. They need money. They've been like slowly losing money and losing subscribers. I think. But I would say there are other ways. I mean, okay, I get it. I like obviously yes. Maybe if people are forced to get their own accounts they will but knowing what i know like i know fewer and fewer people who watch netflix because they want to see the shows on netflix 
I know people instead who watch Netflix because it's the one they still have. Yeah, it's like, like the default have, one. Yeah, it's like they have it because their parents have it or they have it because an old roommate had it, not because they like really need Netflix. So I feel like that's a bad move. Right now they at least have eyes. I, I don't know, like maybe I'm not thinking it cancel. from it. No, I agree. Yeah. I don't know what they've put out. I mean, other than like Wednesday and Stranger Things in the last like 12 months, what else did they put out that I actually Bridgerton's cared big. about? Oh, that no, you cared about? No, I cared about. I'm being selfish oh, right oh, now. Oh. I'm saying, why do I need Netflix? I honestly – I mean, okay, well, obviously I need it because we talk about television. So that's a bummer. <laughs> but if we didn't, I honestly think I might be like, all right, I'm not buying Netflix. Like I'm on my – parents right now and <laughs> like I, I don't know that I would go out of my way to pay for it if we weren't doing this I live near my parents currently so that doesn't seem like an issue for me all I have to do is go and oh and visit my drive parents 45 minutes to log into their Netflix <laughs> you probably see them that often though now I'm just I feel like because they put out their exact definition of what it is all I can do is think of ways to get around it that's all I'm doing with my brain power right now. I'm like, I have a Roku stick. What do I do? I just bring bring that with me. Anyway, um, <laughs> we can move on. And Netflix, forget you heard any of this. I'm sure people will find ways around it, but I I'm curious to see what happens. I'm also curious how they're gonna police it because, like I said, they don't they didn't actually say how they were gonna what they were gonna do if you didn't follow the rules. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping I could just ride this out a little longer. I do not want to pay for Netflix. I don't even know how much it costs at this point. I don't either. I think they added an ad tier plan. So it's like, I guess I would just get that, but ads are annoying. But I don't even know if that's rolled out in the US yet. Yeah. I don't know that. And I didn't look it up, unfortunately. So instead of talking about things we don't know, (laughs) we could move on to Poker Face. I had time to watch one episode. So I will, I have thoughts, but I'm assuming you're like completely caught up. Wait, did you subscribe to Peacock finally? No, the first episode's free. I'm, I'm <laughs> deciding. <laughs> All right, fair. Yes. I. So I actually only watched the first two episodes. Uh, there are four out right now and then oh, okay. there will I don't be feel one that far each behind. week. No, you're not. Uh, there will be, yeah, there will be 10 total. So the thing is, Because it's a procedural show, and I should, in a moment, I will back up and say what this is. But since it's a procedural show, it's really not a binge. It's not the show. It's not the type of show that I want to binge. So I watched two episodes, and then I was like, I'm going to wait a few days. Uh, So I'll probably watch the third tonight. But anyways, very quickly, Poker Face, if you don't know, well, you know, for those who don't know, it's uh, Ryan Johnson. He directed and wrote. Knives Out and Glass Onion. He created this show for Peacock, starring Natasha Leone, who's um, I first knew her on Only Murders. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Orange is the Russian New Black. Doll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I first knew her on Orange is the New Black. You know how people abbreviate Only Murders as O O M I T B. Yeah, and Orange people, is the New Black. Yeah, people yeah. say O I. Anyways, my brain yeah. confused those T M B or whatever. Yeah, I knew her from that, but then yeah, she was the star of Russian Doll. And she's become quite a bigger star through that. Uh, And so now she's spearheading another new show. And it's a procedural series. So it's like a crime of the week show similar to Columbo. Actually, Ryan Johnson has said he was inspired by Columbo. Very similar format. Yeah. So it's a a show about a woman who 
has the ability to always tell when someone is lying. She's not a detective. She's just a person, but she happens upon a lot of crime. So each week she's <laughs> solving a murder. And yeah, she essentially is a detective, but not by not she's not being paid to be. She's not by trade a police person. <laughs> right. She is detecting murderers. Yes. <laughs> detecting who the murderers are. She's yeah. just uh, not on payroll to do so. Yeah. So exactly. if you've seen the first episode, yep. which you have, mm-hmm. then you you get the setup of her at the casino. It's interesting yes. that a lot of the descriptions of the shows that I read said she was like a woman on the run. But the first episode starts with her like gainfully employed. So – it's an mm-hmm. interesting first episode, I think, that like doesn't actually really set up the rest of the season tonally. I'm interested to hear if your perspective is different now that you've earned from mine now that I've seen two episodes because I feel like aesthetically and tonally, the second episode is a better indicator of what the rest of the season is. And it is a pretty different tone. I think the first episode, you almost sort of feel like you're you were just put into the middle of a serialized story. And it doesn't feel like a procedural per se. Yeah. Yeah. It had almost like a short movie feel to it. Like I I didn't really know. I was interested to see where it would go next, but I was a little bit like that felt like the story. Like what I just watched, I really enjoyed, but I can't really tell where it'll go from here. It's like, are the rest of the episodes just going to be her running away from from these people? Like, is that it? Is she not going to solve any more mysteries? Is is it just like, okay, and now she's got to hide. So I was curious how the rest would play out. Yeah, I think the other ones feel more procedural. I think that's sort of what you're getting at. And that's what I was trying to describe. It's like the first one has the element of procedural because it does still have a murder, but it's setting up her backstory. It's doing a lot of work to set up her backstory. Mm-hmm. Well, they spend almost more time on that sort of than like the murder. So I think it's a great episode. I actually really I really liked the first episode, but I think the subsequent episodes have more of like a Columbo procedural feel to them. This is not about the procedural feel at all, but um just wanted to mention that because this comes somewhat from like the the mind of um Knives Out and Glass Onion creator I immediately, I had forgotten that even though I've like read about the show and we've talked about it and I knew that in the back of my mind. But as I was watching, I was like, oh, this has very, like the the cinematography is a little similar to Knives Out, which is also pulling from old like mystery and detective stories. Like it's not, it's not like a completely new way of, of telling a story via film, but like it ha- it definitely has those those fingerprints on it. I also thought a little bit like Twin Peaksy, especially the first episode. I don't oh. know what the subsequent episodes are, but the sort of what's his face? I can't remember. But the casino, <laughs> the casino owner's son, Adrian or I Brody. guess now the casino owner. But yes, um, I don't know the character's name. The like sort of schemey plottiness of it. He it was just giving very Twin Peaks. Not the supernatural parts, but the um, – Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's also aesthetically yeah. very 70s and 80s, even though it's set in modern day. It very much has that feel, especially yeah. in like the second episode. I don't know if I felt it quite as much in the first, but I do know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's a little bit in the first too. 
I've never, that's actually a good point because I was trying to figure out for a little bit what era we were in. And then there's very clear use of technology, like like the tablets and the cell phones that are touch. So it's not like we're back in time. Um, But it is interesting that they're choosing, yeah, that they're choosing, like they're like very deliberate with how they're using technology and like what brands they're using. And then also the rest of the set dressing, like we're supposed to be, I guess, I guess I'm lost. Vegas in the first one, right? That for some reason screams like 70s to me, which I think is just a weird association. But also then the like the rooms of the hotel, the casino hotel themselves were just seemed outdated. And so I couldn't yeah, like tell if that was like and everything looked old. Yeah. I was like, I can't tell if that's just supposed to say this hotel in itself is just like a little bit shabby and outdated, or if that's the tone of the rest of the show as well. And I kind of think, at least like what we saw then toward the end of the episode, it's sort of the, seems like the tone of the show. It's like mixed. It's not really, you know, anchoring you in one specific time. That's not really the point. I think it's definitely set in modern day, but I think Ryan Johnson has gone out of his way to make it feel vintage and retro in the yeah. aesthetic and the vibes and even like the screen credits, like the font and color and all of that like it's supposed Mm. to give like 70s like colombo was in the like aired in the 70s like i think it's supposed to be very much like reminiscent of that i guess that's what i meant like we're not focused on depicting and i say we (laughs) but i mean they're not focused on depicting modern day and solving crimes in modern day the way like I don't know, like your Sherlock on BBC was like really using technology and being like, and now like we are in the like 2010 or whatever it is. It's it's a little bit more nebulous, even though yes, like clearly it's set in present day, but they're they're playing a little bit with with the vibes. Yeah, for um, sure they I are. I think even more in the second episode, you'll see it's like hard to like I know it's set in modern day, but when you watch it, it's hard. It like it feels anachronistic for sure. I think that's. I think that's actually one of the best parts of the show for me is like that vibe is so fun. I think it's – I didn't watch Columbo and I've never seen any of those, but I – Nor have I. I like the idea that it's reminiscent of something old and that it is retro because I think the like really glossy procedurals, crime procedurals like CSI, NCIS, the really formulaic ones, like the, you know, they work because they work. People love them. I love Criminal mm-hmm. Minds. But – that would, I think, feel a little bit stale if they just put something out like that on a streaming service. And I think nobody's tried because it's hard to do something new with that format. So I at least like that, although this is a very tried and true format, that it feels sort of like retro and fun. Having only seen one episode, I really loved that in the very beginning, you see the crime that Natasha Leone's character will then be trying to figure out for the rest of the episode. Like, I really loved that we're not along for the journey in trying to piece together clues or something. It's a lot of dramatic irony. And yet I wasn't bored. Like, I didn't, I still was enthralled to see what was going to happen next, like what clues she would pick up on and what was, how everything would piece together. And then how she would set up the criminals in the end um, and then potentially get away. And I, yeah, I, I feel like I haven't seen that done either in a while or ever. I can't really put, like, I can't think of anything right now, but potentially I've, I'm just drawing a blank. But I, I liked that setup a lot. Yeah, I saw people calling it a how catch em instead of a who done it, which I thought was like a <laughs> cute, I don't know if I've heard a how catch em before. No, I, I like it a lot. 
do think, though, that my only real criticism of the show is that it drags a little. The first act goes on a little too long in the second episode for it to be like just the you know person that gets murdered and we see how that happens. I was like, okay, we could wrap this up. Like the mm-hmm. episode's like an hour and seven minutes long. I was like, just that feels a little long. And I felt that a little bit in the first act. And then I felt it a little bit too when she was trying to solve the murder. Like I, I just did not feel the way you felt exactly in terms of like not mm. feeling bored i felt a little bored i actually think these episodes are going on a little too long and i think in the because first we and know, second or just the second i'm trying to remember i think in the first episode i felt i felt the length but i didn't feel the boredom i felt mm. like i i noticed the length it was like an hour and 10 minutes so it's yeah. certainly a long episode and i think it just was missing something to give it a little bit of a faster pace, like it felt a little slow to me. But in the second episode, I definitely was like a little bored at times because we know exactly who did it and we're just waiting for her. And I don't know. I don't know if that like perfectly works for me. I honestly think mm-hmm. I don't like this show quite as much as everybody else. And I think that's like a main reason why. Well, maybe I'll get Peacock and watch the second episode soon and, and see if I corroborate your thoughts or not. But until then, I'm in the category of people who like the show a lot so far. That does remind me that everybody's been saying, oh, finally, a reason to get Peacock, which is making me (laughs) irate because the resort was so good. I mean, maybe it'll get more people's eyes on a resort, hopefully. I know. I can't actually be mad that people are subscribing to Peacock. Why do I feel like I'm like – gatekeeping peacock but also like doing the opposite (laughs) of that by telling people constantly what shows to watch on peacock i just feel like it's like my little baby streaming service that nobody watches anything on you have such a push-pull relationship with peacock i can't make a lot of really bad stuff i just loved the resort so it was like it just made it so much better for me but then also Mm. they've got all the below decks below deck yep (laughs) that's really like i want peacock all the time i just watch so much below deck but i think this will get like a actual wider buy-in from Mm. people who like TV and also people who just – like I think a lot of people just like procedurals and also like Natasha Lyonne and I think this will just get more people on Peacock. It is interesting to have a procedural on a streaming service. Like I think this is the first procedural format, Uh, like a new – not like bringing back Criminal Minds or something like that, but like an entirely new concept. But in the procedural format. I could be wrong. Somebody write in and let me know if I'm wrong. But I can't think of any others. I think that's that the idea of Natasha Leone like being this oh, character for the next like 10 years. Like I'm like, yeah, I'd watch 10 seasons of this even though like the episodes are a little slow paced for me right now. I think mm. part of the reason too is I watched them both back to back and like I said, I think this is very much a show you should watch one per week. Yeah, I, I think I, I would could watch the show forever if, if if I just watched one per week. Like it's like I'm eating my TV dinner in front of my little procedural show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't eat TV dinners, but that's just yeah. the vibe that it makes me. No, feel. I think there's I think there's something cool about the fact like it feels like you're saying like all of the '70s references visually and audioly, <laughs> whatever that are it, it, this new like streaming show feels reminiscent of old tv 
but like done in a new way. Like it, it feels old, but at the same time, it's it has enough new elements that I think it'll hold a lot of people's attention for a while. And I, I don't know. If, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think this is the first in what will become many streaming shows that will kind of return to the old ways of television, especially as all of these streaming services become more and more like cable in other ways. It's interesting that like finally now there's a show that is more reminiscent of shows you would have found on cable. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, at this point we're paying more than we paid for cable. Peacock is NBC. Paramount plus is Paramount. Like what are we doing here? But yes, shall we talk about another show that we both watched this week? Yeah. Moving on to Apple TV Plus's shrinking, which new episode out tomorrow, right? We're recording this on Wednesday. episode out on Friday. I think they're Friday episodes. So two came out last Friday, and then we'll get one per week, which is not enough for a show like this. I would love to binge <laughs> this. This is the opposite of Poker Face. I want all episodes, and I want them now. Yeah, I agree. I found the first episodes very fun. It's so charming. Do you want to give us the premise quickly? Jason Siegel plays a a therapist who is going through a very rough time. We realize that he is now the single dad of a teenage daughter. At some point during one of his sessions, he decides just, you know, he kind of cracks and tells his patient exactly what he thinks, which is not necessarily the most professional thing to do. As Harrison Ford's character, another therapist reminds him, you're supposed to remain neutral and non-judgmental. And instead, he very much becomes judgmental and not neutral and uh, starts using some unconventional methods with some of his patients. One thing I'll add to your synopsis is that the show was co-created by Brett Goldstein and Bill Lawrence, who both wrote for Ted Lasso, Bill Lawrence being one of the creators of Ted Lasso, and Brett Goldstein being one of the writers and also one of the actors in Ted Lasso. I love Brett Goldstein. Just needed to say that. But I love that it's you Coach can- Beard, right? No, Brett Goldstein is Roy Kent. Oh my God. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. There's like this whole thing that came out when, probably like during the first season, when everybody realized- that he was a writer on the show that I don't know if it was in an interview or what, but it comes out that he he basically was like writing the role and everybody in the writer's room was like, I think this is you. Like, I, I think Roy <laughs> Kent is you. And then he, I guess, auditioned for it. And they were like, yeah, he has to be this role. And wow, it's I had no idea. so perfect. Yeah. So I just love him so much. And obviously like that character is incredible, but I think he's obviously such a talented writer and along with Bill Lawrence, like, their voice is so strong. I can really mm-hmm. feel it in Shrinking, even though it doesn't feel like they've made the same show again. Oh, yeah. But the – no, I agree. But the like the sort of upbeat in the midst of some real, you know, I, I guess psychological problems in this case, but some real like downer and and serious emotions. Like they're not shying away from – emotion but it's still like kind of a silly happy show in a lot of ways it has that dichotomy that ted lasso also has yeah the mix of like people who are hurting but people who are doing their best and it feels very authentic and it's sometimes sad although not in like a cloying way and it's sometimes very uplifting in just a way that feels very genuine and it's also so clever and so funny like even laugh out loud funny at times in both Ted Lasso and in Shrinking I would say 
I agree. I think it's so uh, impressive also, that they can pull that off. Like, how do you how do you <laughs> pull off being all of those things and feeling so authentic? Yeah, I just remembered what um, movie I was thinking of. It felt and okay. Clearly, this is not at least not yet a romantic comedy in any way, but it reminded me a little bit of um, Crazy Stupid Love, like Steve Carell's character when he's going through his sort of arc of being really depressed and then having to make things up to his kids, like his kind of shitty or neglectful or not neglectful behavior, but sort of like he makes bad choices because he's going through a rough time and he's an adult. And then that sort of trickles down to being kind of a shitty parent at some points. And then the journey and and the tone of that part of the movie, Crazy Stupid Love, is was like really what was hitting me for Jason Ziegel's character in the first two episodes. And I don't know if that is a universal, like if that makes sense to you or if it's just, maybe I'm just have Steve Carell in my brain. Mm, I don't, don't want to be a uh, an embarrassing broken record, but I have never seen Crazy oh, Stupid no. Love. <laughs> like, oh no. I, I wish you would mention just a single thing that I've actually seen. <laughs> None of my comparisons are this landing today. Tragic. I haven't seen anyone oh, else compare that, but maybe somebody has made the same uh, connection in their brains too. But no, that does BRB. remind I'm going to go write a medium think piece yeah. about this. Definitely do that. Make a TikTok. I okay. I was reminded when you said that though that I, I was sort of struck while watching this about how Jason Siegel is like commonly playing this character, I would say, like the sad man or like mm. the guy who's like kind of funny but like is also a little gloomy. Uh, and maybe it's, it's just face. the no, – I think it's just like who he is. Uh, I don't know if – I'm I'm thinking of forgetting Sarah Marshall, but then – I mean, also a little bit the How I Met Your Mother character, like just this also like hard on his sleeve, like, yeah. yeah, sort of sort of funny, but really just like squishy-hearted big man. And yes. he plays it really, really well. I mean, I think he's perfectly cast in this role, so I'm not begrudging him his – squishy hearted big man persona i think he's crushing it but he combined with harrison ford is a combo that i did not know i needed but it works so well i have a bit of an embarrassing um, announcement <laughs> yes not announcement but reveal i guess Let's i don't know it. what i'm trying to say i'm ready for yours because I, I feel like i've given many i when i read the synopsis for the show I feel like a lot of them basically, like the synopsis was a new show starring Harrison Ford and Jason Siegel, probably in the reverse order. But for some reason, I was like, Harrison Ford, obviously, like he's main guy or something to that effect. I thought Harrison Ford was going to be the character that in his grief after losing his wife was just like making bad decisions. Oh, that's not even embarrassing. Practice. I thought the same thing. Oh, And I didn't even oh, feel really? embarrassed by that. No, I totally thought the same thing. Yeah, they really I, – I don't know why Cause Harrison I just Ford immediately is thought that. The lead man, if you put – if you tell me there's a new show with Harrison Ford and Jason Segel, I am assuming that the protagonist is Harrison Ford. I mean, or no even, hate to Jason Segel. He is an A-lister <laughs> in his own right, but like, come on. I get – yeah, even like I was sort of assuming they would both be the stars and Jason Segel – in my head, the, the show was Jason Segel's the patient. Harrison Ford is the um, – psychologist, psychiatrist, I think they're psychologists, that gives, that like 
kind of cracks after his wife died. And then they, the two of them like form an unlikely friendship. Like, I don't know what. I literally thought the same thing and I was not okay, okay, okay. but I felt that Then way. I think that's on them to be quite honest. Or, or maybe they wanted us to think that. We just both thought that. It's very clear that neither of us watched a trailer, but also I don't mm. feel shame for that because trailers give too much away. <laughs> and I knew I was going to watch this because yeah, obviously. Fair. I think Harrison Ford, just to come back to this, is so good in this role. He's so funny in a very understated way and dry, it's not the yeah. like it's dry but it's not the like charming wit of like Indiana Jones or or Han Solo it's like dry almost grumpy man but like you can tell he like cares a lot it's just i feel like it's like a slightly different character and he's just yeah. crushing it agreed and it's been sort of little doses so far so i'm very ready for him to take more of a, a front seat yeah he really hasn't been in the show that much at know, all just like, like really just little like time wise <laughs> it's like sad it's honestly sad i'm like i love him so much he's so good in the show and then if i think about it he hasn't been in it much to get him on this show he must be paid a lot of money yeah. even if oh, he's I'm not sure. the main actor and to just be in like some minutes like i think, I I think we will see more i would yeah guess. i hope so I think he just wasn't like a ton in the first two episodes but i'm fairly certain they didn't get harrison ford just to be like second fiddle to jason siegel i think he'll end up being more of a 50 50 i love the way that they have pithy conversations between all three of them that work at the the office the like psychologist's office or whatever they have these like weird lunch meetings where they have they just kind of go back and forth and make jives at each other and you can it's like you're just like dropping in on this very well oriented group of professionals that are also friends and ha like have these inside jokes or the, this way of talking to one another that they're really familiar with one another and they're just making jokes you would make with friends, which I really love. And then the same thing with the the relationship between Jason Siegel's character and then his um, neighbor who winds up looking after his daughter a lot. Like that, everything is set up so that I don't feel like I'm watching. I mean, yeah, I guess this is a stupid thing to say. Like actors are acting, but <laughs> like I feel like the writing and the acting is all coming together really well. I'm just like very invested already. Yeah, I think that's like what I was saying earlier, a testament to just how good the writers are. Like Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein create these characters that are fully formed people. They're not caricatures. They feel authentic. Their relationships feel authentic. And also the supporting cast is so good here. I mean, they – every single person is absolutely nailing it. Like Jessica Williams, like you said, is just so good in the little bits that we've gotten her. She's so funny. She's just – really doing well in that performance. And Krista Miller, who is from Scrubs. I don't know if you recognized her, the neighbor. Yes. She I is could not place so her, funny. but yeah, that makes sense. She's incredible. Yeah. Like I just want so much more of her at this point. Like she has stolen every scene that she's been in. Her sort of sarcastic delivery is just so good. I mean, that casting is so good. I love her so far. And then Michael Yori is so good as the best friend. The I get everything oh, I want. Yeah. Oh my God, he was killing me. I was dying. The teenage daughter is also like such a good actress. And I did not know her beforehand from anything. I actually didn't even look her up on IMDb ahead of, ahead of this. Yeah, me neither. So I don't know if she's been in anything. But she is such a believable, like, angsty teen daughter. And I love her. I want her to be in more things. A hundred percent. She is so cool. Uh, yeah. Wait, I actually like to think I want to be friends with that character in real life, maybe. <laughs> 
the relationship with her and Harrison Ford's character is so weird to me. And like it's it's lovely and it's very Ted Lasso, I think. But in real life, it's not I'm sorry, like what 16-year-old is like, yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with my dad's elderly boss, <laughs> boss and like talk about my dad to him. There's an odd amount of maturity involved with that decision that is not present in the rest of the decisions that she makes. So I think that's not the most authentic of the relationships, but I'll give it a pass because I really enjoy watching Harrison Ford interact with <laughs> that actress. That is like just cute, cute little chemistry. It had me wondering if for a second, if he was her therapist for like oh, when that her mother died. Sense. But they didn't really actually explicitly say that. So that was just me trying to, you know, retcon. Yeah, well, they might sense. say it later, though. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, that's something that, that they're sort of, like, going to reveal later. Because it does seem a little out of character for the writers to write something that doesn't really make sense. Like, I feel like normally they're very good at writing authentic relationships. So that actually would be a very uh, explicable thing. I don't know if I have any other thoughts about shrinking except that i am very much looking forward to the next episode i'm thoroughly pleased with what the first month of 2023 has wrought in terms of new television i've been having a great time between this the last of us like it's just true there are a lot of shows coming out in february there's like 12 things that we're gonna oh, watch <laughs> so buckle up oh are we <laughs> yeah we, we are okay there are a few cool, cool, cool. that actually sound good and then a few that sound less good. So stay tuned for future Double Take episodes where we will talk about one or many of the 12 shows <laughs> that are coming out next month. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take Podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 